Thank you, People's Church. God bless you. Always my honor to come by and be a part of what God's doing here. And God's doing great things at People's Church. Praise God. You know, I, I love what the psalmist said. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Glad to be in God's house today. I want to, uh, first of all, say, uh, referencing uh, our pastor's uh, introduction of me, he mentioned that I have been a traveling evangelist uh, for a long time. Actually, this month, I'm celebrating 30 years of being a traveling minister. And so I'm standing there, hey, man, I, thank you. I'm standing there listening to that going, wow, you know. I started when I was five. That didn't go over real big, so we'll just keep going. That's right. I tried anyway. Amen. Listen, I do want to let you know how much I love and appreciate our senior pastors, Herbert and Tiffany Cooper. What a blessing they are to this church as well as to my life. I'm so thrilled they're able right now to get away, get a little bit of rest. And I'm just speaking rest and relaxation and refreshing over their bodies. And so thank God for a time uh, for them to get away and relax. I mentioned the 30 years that I've been traveling, and obviously you realize that our world has changed a lot during that time, but also the church has too. So let me just mention to you before we look to the Word of God today that there are many times through the course of my life and my ministry that I've been traveling, and I have felt the Lord give me a word for a church or for the body of Christ. And and it, it is uh, literally uh, a word of uh, encouragement. Uh, let's go out there and win our world. And, and then, then there are the times the Lord has given me messages for the body of Christ that help us deal with struggles on the, in the inside of our life, to help us get breakthroughs in our life so that we can help others as a result of what we have been through. Today's message is one of those messages, and I want you to know that throughout the course of this preaching and teaching time, I'm going to be preaching to myself some. I might even amen myself some a little bit today, but I declare over you, and you need to know this as I'm speaking, that I've prayed for you. I've prayed, and if you were, I've prayed for every person that was coming here that you would get a hold of this as I'm preaching to myself, I'm preaching about something that's a struggle for me and, and has been for years, but God is going to give us all breakthrough in the house today in the name of Jesus. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to receive it. We're going to get breakthroughs in the name of Jesus, and we're going to move forward serving him. I'm calling my message today a spiritual identity crisis, spiritual identity I'd like to look at the Word of God in Romans chapter 8, three verses starting in verse 15. Let's start here. Romans chapter 8, verse number 15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I want to read that again. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Everybody say, I'm a child of God. Let's say it again. I'm a child of God. I believe it. I want you to catch that. That is your identity. 
let, let this go on. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Spiritual identity crisis. May God add his blessing to the preaching and teaching of God's word today. 1990, Pixar Disney released an animated film. If you have raised children or currently have children, you know that children are into animated movies. They love it. In fact, sometimes children like to watch them over and over and over again. I don't know if anybody in the house is like me, but in raising my kids, I'm going to tell you, there are some of those movies that the kids like to, I've seen them 204 million times. I mean, it's over and over. And you're not, we're not even interested as adults. We don't even care. But we can tell you everything in the movie, can't we? We know the characters. We know everything. And we don't even care. But it's just that the kids want to do it over and over and over and over. And it gets, well, the, the movie I'm talking about in my introduction, released in 1990, was a movie called The Toy Story. The Toy Story, in case you're not familiar with it, it it's a story a story about a little boy, and his name was Andy. And the entire story centered around the fact that all of the animals in Andy's room come to life. In particular, there's one. He was a dinosaur. His name was Rex. Some of you knew that because you saw it 204 million times. Rex was a dinosaur, and Rex had some serious identity issues. He wanted to be mean. He wanted people to be afraid of him. He'd walk in the room, and he just thought everybody'd scream and run, but they didn't. So Rex developed this growl, this roar, and so he thought, you know what, I'm a dinosaur. If I walk in the room and, and I scream and growl and roar, everybody's going to run. So he tried it over and over again. The movie, you see him come in and cry, scream, yeah. And everybody's response was, oh, hey, Rex. Nobody was afraid of him because they knew he had a heart of sensitivity and he was just a big old teddy bear. But he wanted to be mean. But he just wasn't. Screamed and yelled. Why? <clears throat> because what was on the outside did not match what's on the inside. <clears throat> and I think today, ladies and gentlemen, that a lot of us, spiritually speaking, struggle with the same thing. We've come into the house of God. We're praising God. We're in His house. We love God. But on the inside... We got issues. We got identity issues. <clears throat> We're struggling today. It's hard. And I'm asking God today to help us spiritually make what's on the outside match what's on the inside. Give us breakthrough in here, not just out here on the outside where everybody can see it. But step into our hearts and the identity issues that we've struggled with and we're so strongly dealing with today in the house of God are going to be broken. 
We're children of God in this place. In the name of Jesus, we're children of God. What's on the outside is going to match what's on the inside. I think one of the problems is we don't always realize who we are because we don't realize whose we are. You understand you're a child of the living God. Royal blood's flowing through your veins today. Do you understand? He said you're a child. You are my children. That's what he's identifying with. You are somebody. Not in a prideful way. We don't need any more of that. But because we realize who we are in him. Do you catch that part of our text that talked about Abba Father? Let me teach on that just for about 30 seconds. It's an Aramaic term. It's a term of endearment. It simply meant when a child would crawl up into the lap of the father and use that term, Abba Father. What it meant was that child now has a right to talk to that father like nobody else can. That child now has a right to ask for things from that father that nobody else can. Can I just ask people's church today, collectively and individually, come on, let's just crawl up into the lap of Daddy Jesus today. You can talk to him like he's your father. I want you to understand, you're a child of God, and you can talk to him like that. Many of you have heard me share my testimony here at People's Church. For those of you that have not, 1999, my first marriage ended. I went through a divorce. From that time, through the days, months, and even years, even to now, I've struggled with an identity issue over that. I've always thought I'll be viewed as the divorce preacher, the guy that failed in marriage. Always thought that. The reason I'm bringing it up again today, friends, as many of you may have remembered, me talking about my daughter, who is now 18 years old, now, if you have an 18-year-old daughter, all that means is you go buy more bullets for your gun. <clears throat> the reason I brought the story up again is because, as I share in my testimony, my daughter's never wanted to have anything to do with me. She refused to spend her court-appointed time with me. There's been no relationship, even though she's 18 years old now, there's... There's been no relationship through the years. It's been hard. Now that she's in college, sometimes I'll go and have a meal with her. Every once in a while, I'll be talking on the phone to her. And can I just open my heart to you today, people, search and let you know from a natural father, every time I talk to her, every time I leave her presence, I just so long for her to acknowledge that's my dad. That's my father. I, I just think, you know, every time I'm, I'm going to see her or talk to her on the phone, maybe this will be the time. She's never called me dad since she was a little girl. And I just think, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is the time. That, but as of yet, it hasn't happened. Let me pause and tell you, because when you preach and teach like this, the Word of God... I have to stop and let you know, friends, that I am a man of faith. 
And I do believe God's going to give me back the years the canker worm has eaten and the relationship will be restored. You need to know that. Thank you. But you need to know that. I'm standing on that. I believe that that is going to happen. But, but still doesn't take away that longing for a natural father who desires to be a part of her life. It doesn't take away that. I just want to hear those words maybe one time. Dad or this is my father or something. And the reason, friends, I even went down this road again is because I think about that and I know the longing in my heart and I know the pain that's there for me. But I think about how much more does our Heavenly Father want us to hear us identify Him as Father Daddy. Father Daddy. You're my dad. You're my... I'm your child. How much more does he want to hear that from us? See? And sometimes we don't approach him and we don't talk to him because we've got identity issues. We think we're not good enough or we failed in so many ways. I want you to know he loves you just the way you are. He accepts you just the way you are. You are his child and he loves you. He loves you. I think about growing up. Maybe some of you are going to be able to relate to this a little bit. But I think about growing up and my struggles to kind of fit in. I always wanted to be cool and always wanted to be, you know, in with the in crowd and the cool guys. And so uh, the reality is, you know, if I wasn't, I'd just make stuff up, you know. And I, I, I remember one, one time my family, we went over to eat at another family's home. And the, the son in this home, he just won a spelling bee. And my mom and dad, oh, they made a big deal out of that. Whoa, he won a spelling bee. Isn't that cool? I mean, they're, they're just, and they went on and on and on. And I'm listening to this. So guess what I did? Two weeks later, I came home from school and announced, I just won a spelling bee. <laughs> no, I didn't. But I wanted my mom and dad to make over me like they did that other boy. You know what I mean? I just wanted to be so accepted. So I just made some, something up, you know. Told them I got this big trophy, you know. It was a good lie, folks. I mean, I stretched it. You know what I mean? But now that I'm older, I look back on that. It's all identity issues right in here. I got to match up with that other kid. And then you grow up and you get in high school. Now it's all about getting the girl. And so I went this girl I want to date. And my competition was a high school star quarterback. Guess what I just became? Now y'all laughing because y'all looking at me right now. My hand won't even fit around the football. <laughs> but I thought... I had to match. Anybody getting what I'm preaching right now? You're getting it. I thought. I had to identity issues. I thought, boy, I got to. I'm in competition here. And then in my youth group I was raised in. It just, I, I, I mean, I was a troubled kid. Now I want you to, I, I just had all these issues. And I didn't realize it till I was later. Till I was later in life. In my youth group, everybody could play a musical instrument except me. Now, I just want you to know you're looking at a guy. If it don't bounce, I can't play it. 
I'm not gifted that way. I'm not talented that way at all. But everybody else could. So I just announced I could. I love the way that bass guitar thumps. So I told everybody, I play the bass guitar. I just started telling people. Oh, they all thought I was cool. One day, it caught up with me. We arrived at church just a little bit late. I was raised in a fairly small church in a small building, and the pastor saw us come in. Nobody was on the bass guitar. In front of the whole church, the pastor said, Lynn, come up and play the bass guitar. It was not pretty. It was very ugly. But sometimes we just do things. I want you to like me because I can do this. I want to fit in because I can do this. And sometimes that crosses over into our spiritual lives. Hear my heart again for you, friend. Hear my heart. You don't have to make things up for God. He already knows. He already loves you. He already cares about you. He died on a cross for you before he knew you was ever going to serve him. He already loves you. We don't have to do that. I'm glad I identified that as I grew older. Here's what I want to give you today. I want to help you maybe remember this. I want to give you the CIA of our identity crisis, okay? Number one, the C stands for comparison. Comparison. Our identity is greatly affected when we constantly compare ourselves to somebody else. Because the problem with that, friend, is this. We often compare ourselves with other people, and here's how we do it. We compare everybody else's best with our worst. Here's a moment I'm going to amen myself. Amen. We do that. And even worse, you know what we do? We compare ourselves to what other people say their life is on Facebook. Hello. Yeah. And sometimes we start comparing ourselves to other people. We get in a problem. In fact, I'm going to say it like this. We actually fall into a comparison trap. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul, Galatians chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Listen. The Word of God says, If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. (laughs) Well, I, I feel like I need to read that again. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone. Watch this, friends, without comparing themselves to someone else. It's not a pride issue. We don't need any more of that. It's comparing ourselves to who we are in Christ. And we're all on equal plane there. We're all even. I've talked to you about the comparison trap. I believe there's three things that happens inside of that. Let me talk to you from my heart about these three things that happen inside the comparison trap. Number one, I believe the comparison trap creates disunity. 
I believe that would be the will of the enemy for our lives and our church. So today, we just step into the house of God, and we serve notice on the enemy, the devil, who's trying to bring disunity because everybody's comparing themselves to, no, no, we're a unified body of Christ. The devil will not divide in the name of Jesus. When I, F.B. Meyer, a great preacher, he said it like this. He said, snowflakes are one of nature's most fragile things, but look what they can do when they stick together. So you get one snowflake falling from the sky. It's not going to create any problem. But you get a bunch of them falling. They start sticking together. We got issues, don't we? That's why I want to serve notice on the enemy from people's church today. Right now, we're serving notice. We're that group that's going to stick together. And the devil better be afraid. He better rise up and run because we are not backing up. We're moving ahead to reach a community for the glory of God as a unified body. Body of believers in Jesus' name. Second thing I believe that happens inside of that comparison trap is this. I believe comparing ourselves to one another robs us of our joy. I believe it does. Now, a lot of things rob us of our joy. If we have tough circumstances around us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I see somebody walk in the room and it robs me of my joy. Amen. Y'all more holy than me. Sometimes. Amen. Help me, Jesus. Yeah. I I like what Mark Twain said. Mark Twain said, some people spread joy wherever they go. Other people spread joy whenever they go. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm not even looking up on that one, folks. That's right. You know, we all have busy lives, and I identify that in the house of God today. Sometimes we meet ourselves coming and going, don't we? Sometimes literally our day is so busy we move from one thing to another and literally feel like at times we just fall in bed at night. We're exhausted and we're tired. Here's why I want to resurrect this again. You know why? Because the Word of God tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to that joy. It's going to bring new strength and new energy to the body of Christ. I'm receiving it for Lynn Wheeler today. New strength, new energy, holding on to the joy of the Lord that is my strength. Third and final thing on the inside of point number one is sometimes this comparison trap affects our spiritual perception. And it makes us see things in a different way than they really are. So sometimes we might think if we're comparing ourselves to somebody else, well, they're more talented, they can do this, they can do that. All of a sudden, we start thinking, well, if I make something up like I did, you know what I'm saying? If, if I do something different like I did, it, it's just not true. If I do this more, if I pray louder, <laughs> kind of reminds me of the story of the little boy. He was kneeling at his bed saying his goodnight prayers. His mom was next to him. He's praying along. Everything's normal. Everything's fine. He gets to the very end and he screams out, Oh God, give me a brand new bicycle for Christmas. Screamed it. Scared his mom to death. She kind of backed up a little bit. Son, what in the world are you doing? Why are you yelling at God like that? God's not deaf. You don't have to yell at him. Little boy looked back at his mom and said, Oh, mom, I know. God's not deaf. 
but grandma is, and she's in the next room. Amen. 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 If God don't get me that bicycle, grandma going to get me that bicycle. You know what? So sometimes we think if we change things up, do that. We don't have to do that, friend. We don't have to do that. There's no comparison going on in the place. We're all children of God in this place. The C is comparison. Let's go to the I. It's the CIA, and the I is inferiority. I want to pull back just for a moment, and I just want to teach for about three to five minutes. We're going to start in Exodus, the third chapter, and verse number 10. One of the greatest leaders, ladies and gentlemen, in the Word of God is a man by the name of Moses. Moses had serious inferiority problems, though. Let's look at them. Now, God is telling him, I want you to get the people out of Egypt and get them to the promised land. Here's his response. Exodus 3, verse 10. Watch this. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. This will be the sign to you that it is I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God in this place. So, okay, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and look what he said. He comes back to God and he says, what? I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. You need to get somebody else. Let's go on down. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. How many in the house know when God says, I am who I am, that's enough, huh? Do you know that? That's enough. He said, I am who I am. This is what you're saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me. So now here's Moses. He's saying, Lord, you want me to do this? I'm going to tell you, number one, I'm a nobody. Number two, I'm ignorant. I'm not smart enough to do this. Now, can I just ask you people, church, has anybody beside Moses and Lynn Wheeler ever had an argument with God? I'm giving an altar call for liars here in just a minute. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We've done that. How did it work out for you? It didn't go so good for me. So here's Moses. Here's what I want you to do. And Moses keeps coming up with these excuses. Why? Because of inferiority. I'm a nobody and I'm ignorant. Go to Exodus 4.1. Now look at this. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Okay, God, look, I'm a nobody. I'm ignorant. And now I'm going to tell you I might fail. What if I fail? What are we going to do? What? Based in inferiority. Exodus 4 verse 10. We're just walking down unpacking this here. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Okay, so God, here's the deal. I'm a nobody. I'm ignorant. I might fail. And now, Lord, number four, I want you to know I'm not very talented. I'm not. I'm I'm just not. But you know what? This is going for Moses kind of like it goes for me and you sometimes. Exodus 4, 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, send, please send someone else. 
Okay, because the argument with God was not going very well. I'm a nobody. I, I might fail. I'm ignorant here. I'm not talented. And the Lord's still not buying it. He's still saying, Moses, you're my man. I want you to do this. So Moses just backed up and just said, look, okay, Lord, you're not getting it. I just want to tell you right now, find somebody else. All based in inferiority. God's given him an assignment, but he keeps coming up with a reason why he cannot pull it off. I want to understand in the house of God today and again declare over you, we are not who somebody else might have said we are. We are not who the devil says we are. We are who God says we are. We are his children. So, okay, Lynn, then who does God say that we are? I am so glad you ask. Because in the Word of God, it simply says this. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are the lender and not the borrower. We are blessed coming in and we're blessed going out. That's who we are, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter what the devil said or what somebody else may have said over us. We are who God says we are. I want you to understand, friend, God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. He's looking for somebody to say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. Moses had a serious inferiority complex, but God still used him to bring thousands of people out. Amen. Number three, it's the CIA comparison inferiority and the A is acceptance. Acceptance. We all want to be accepted. When we were young, we tried to do things to be accepted. When we get older, we're still doing things to try to be accepted. Can I just tell you, our efforts to try to get God to accept us are unnecessary. Don't miss that. It's, he accepts you just the way you are. You don't have to strive to do. Let me tell you what the Lord wants to say to you today in helping us deal with these inferiority issues. It's recorded in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Come on, somebody say, I receive that, huh? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and give you a future. Now, friends, does that sound like God's up in heaven just waiting on us to make a mistake so he can kick us right out of the kingdom? What's he saying? I got plans for you. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you a future. And regardless of what you think of yourself, you are my child, and I am going to use you. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. I'm going to close with this thought today. You see, it's sometimes the use of our childhood turn into the eyes of adulthood. Let me explain. Maybe in your life, somebody spoke You'll never be a success. 
you will never amount to anything. You are worthless. When we grow up, it becomes, I will never be a success. I will never amount to anything. I am worthless. And I cancel those words off of every person in this house today. God says you're valuable. God says you're his child and he loves you no matter what you're feeling on the inside. He accepts you today.